0: Hello, and thank you for tuning in to New Glasgow Christian Church. My name is Stephen Weatherby, and I'm the pastor here at NGCC, a small rural church with a big heart located in central Prince Edward Island, Canada. We're so glad that you could join us. So it was Monday morning at about 8 or 9 a.m. I can't remember exactly when I got to church, but I knew what I had to do. I needed to sit down on my computer back in the office and get to work. I didn't really feel like working. So I decided to make a coffee and take a little walk around the church and drink that second cup of coffee first. So I had a little walk around, and then I went back to my desk. I said, all right, now it's time to get to work. I started answering some emails instead. I said, oh, i got to get these out of the way. It's a little easier. And I said, oh, well, I better post something on the church Facebook page because that's a little more fun basically anything to avoid the work I had to do at hand. <laughs> I don't know if any of you can relate to that as a, the start to your morning. You know what you got to do um, and you just can't seem to get yourself to get started. Um, there's days that I, I have the work and I'll just waste time um, watching videos online or scrolling on my phone. Um, what uh, I guess us younger generation calls doom scrolling when you read all the bad news in the world to make yourself feel better. Uh, or get caught up in side project, all, all these things that I really wanna do instead of getting this main thing I have to get done, done. I'll linger at my desk getting one more little side project or task done. Um, but then there's other days where I overwork. I sit at my desk much longer than I should. Just get one more task done. Just get a little bit ahead. Work even though the clock is saying that I should have been home an hour ago. Ecclesiastes 4, 5 to 6 says that fools fold their idle hands, leading them to ruin. And yet Ecclesiastes also says better to have one handful with quietness than two handfuls with hard work and chasing the wind. In today's world, we might not be folding our hands. Maybe instead, we're swiping, pressing, typing, and tapping on devices. Maybe we're clicking on ads and catchy headlines or reading a book. Or maybe, for me, I start with research that takes me down a bunny trail into something completely unrelated to what I'm doing. And on the other hand, there's the fool who works too much. They work and toil endlessly, always reaching and grasping for more. You can work tirelessly and yet never have enough. So these past two weeks, we have been talking about the theology behind work and rest in Scripture. We first talked about rest and how it is meant to be worshipful, not just a day off or an evening off. We talked about how there's a pattern laid out for us in the creation order that demonstrates to us what our lives should look like, that we should have this pattern of work and rest, not just work, work, work. But last Sunday, we did talk about work and how it's also meant to be an act of worship as well, and that God takes delight in our work when it's devoted to Him. And, And it doesn't really matter what you do for a job, because we know that we were created to work and that inherently work is good. And we know that ultimately Whatever our profession, it is God himself who we work for. So this morning we're going to talk about the balancing act between the two. It's so a man named Daniel Sy and he says in his book, Space and Pace, in recent times productivity has become synonymous with pacemaking. Workplaces subconsciously communicate the idea that adding without subtracting is effective. They want more projects, more policies, more services, never less. Companies rarely invest in the unconventional habits of making space and teaching staff to do less, not more. In almost every field of employment, making space is a good investment. Take emails, for example. Workplaces that eliminate email notifications and discourage out-of-hours communication and reduce email volume, save money, and improve efficiency. Balancing pace and space is a winning strategy, and I believe it is the secret to sustained productivity and getting the right things done. And that was Daniel Tsai. The unfortunate truth is that we do not live in a society that values rest. Weekends are for catching up on chores, working on projects, visiting friends, and things like that. When we go home from work on a weekday, we do not truly rest. Our minds are always thinking about all the things we have to do the next day. There's this belief that if we just increase our workload and just do a little more and increase our pace, then we'll be more productive, we'll just catch up and get ahead. But all the science shows that we actually are more productive when we limit our work time, when we find a balance between working and resting. You see, the truth is that we are finite beings designed to both be with God and to do a job and it's a balance and so what I want us to understand this morning is that wise believers protect their space and are intentional about their pace of work so that they can honor God and how they spend the resource of time so let's read our passage together Hebrews 4 verses 1 to 13 and I'm going to ask everyone to stand with me as we read this together Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you will be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message that they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest, just as God has said, So I declared an oath, In my anger, they shall never enter my rest. And yet his works have been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken on the seventh day in these words, On the seventh day God rested from all his works. And again in the passage above he says, They shall never enter my rest. Therefore, since it still remains for some to enter that rest, and since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience god again set a certain day calling it today this he did when a long time later he spoke through david and is in the passage already quoted today if ye hear his voice do not harden your hearts for if joshua had given them rest god would not have spoken later about another day there remains then a sabbath rest for the people of god For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest, so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who must give account. Thanks. You can all be seated. That's a lot of verses. And as we read that on the surface, you may have thought to yourself, this doesn't seem to have a lot to do with the balance between work and rest. But the thing is, I have to remind you, we're looking at the theological concepts the theology of work and rest and there's a lot in this passage that we can learn about both of those concepts of work and rest and a lot to be applied to our lives that will impact the way that we see the importance of balancing those two so the first truth that I want us to learn from this passage is that there is an eternal concept of work and rest we've talked about the pace of a work week but we haven't talked yet about the eternal big picture concept of work and rest. In this passage, we see this life that we are living here and now being referred to as toil and labor. And then death in Christ is referred to as God's rest. And maybe you've heard the saying, I can sleep when I'm dead. Well, well there you go, it's biblical. <laughs> The book of Hebrews is devoted to presenting Jesus as a superior high priest or a superior leader to the Jewish people. And so he references these old Jewish stories. Um, in the passage, he talks about how Joshua did not provide this rest when he brought the Israelites out of slavery, or, well, most, but when he brought them out of the, the wilderness into the promised land, that this rest only comes through Jesus. So before anything else, we have this idea in this passage that not only is work and rest in the creation story, and not only is work and rest something that we both experience in our daily lives, but that work and rest are used to compare this current life in a sinful world with the peace and restoration of the future that we have in Jesus after this life. Now, understanding that concept is absolutely vital to understanding the rest of this passage and this balancing act. Because the author is making the comparison of the work and toil of the Israelites in Egypt to the rest that they had once they reached the promised land of milk and honey. The only problem is that, as the author points out, they did not truly experience true rest, God's rest, not the rest that we have in Jesus. So that's the first thing, the first truth that I want you to take from this passage is that the theology of work and rest is not just about our daily lives, It's also an illustration of eternity, and there's a bigger picture to all of this. So that's the first truth. The second truth is that life in this present world is going to involve difficult work. And you don't need me to tell you that. We live in a sinful and broken world. And we've talked about how work itself is not a curse, but it's part of God's intended design for us in our lives. Work is not the curse but the work is cursed because of sin and the fall. Our work has a curse on it, even though the work itself is not a curse. And because of that, we have to experience the hard labor. The, the, by the sweat of our brow, we will eat. Uh, that is the curse. Now, in this passage, the author says that if we believe in Jesus, we will enter God's rest, but he does not say that we have entered it yet actually in verse 9 of our passage he says there remains then a sabbath rest for the people of god there remains for anyone entering god's rest also rests from their works just as god did from his and then he says let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest there remains a sabbath rest for the people of god it has not happened yet we are still living in a sinful broken world of course we've talked about the idea of sabbath rest of this working for six days followed by a day of rest now likewise in this lifetime we will work hard for jesus until the day we die and then we will experience that sabbath rest of eternity when god's kingdom is fulfilled and we talked about how it doesn't matter what our job is or what our profession is we're all working for jesus one way or another wherever we are we all work for jesus But the point here is that as Christians, we do have work to do in the here and now. And it's not just our secular work. We have work to do as Christians. When the Israelites left Egypt, they ended up stuck in the wilderness for 40 years because they were too scared to confront the big and scary Canaanites and take the land for God. They wanted God to come and fix everything and make it easier, get rid of the big scary giants so that they could just walk in and have it without putting up any kind of fight. They didn't have faith in God to provide for them. So instead, as a punishment, they were made to wander in the desert for 40 years, twiddling their thumbs because they were afraid. And that's a great lesson in what we are not to do. We're not supposed to, as Christians, plop down in the wilderness, put our feet up, and wait for God to show up and make our lives perfect. Perfect. Just because we're promised a Sabbath rest as Christians does not mean we can just sit around now as if it's here and do nothing. God is working through Jesus and through us to bring this sinful and broken world back to what he intended it to be in the beginning. And we are privileged to be invited to be a part of that. Even in the midst of the curse of sin, our work has a purpose, the best kind of purpose, But it is work, it is hard work, and we will be hated for it. Now, you may think that for a sermon about the balance between work and rest, I've talked about work a lot and how it will never end in this lifetime. So let me share with you the third truth that we can learn from this passage. And that's that rest reminds us that our work has a purpose. And this is where the balance comes in and the importance of the balance You see, when we take the time to rest, when we actually give ourselves that time to balance out our work, it reminds us what we are working for. It reminds us that we are working towards God's true rest, His eternal rest, and towards the restoration of our world. Our work is not an endless cycle of boredom and exhaustion that leads to nothing. It is a purposeful activity that's punctuated by worship and rest. When our work is going well, when we're excited and happy about what we're doing, we remind ourselves that God's creation and our work in it is is a good thing. We remember that work itself was not a curse. And that in some way our good work is furthering His purposes in this world. But on our Sabbath time, whether it be a day of Sabbath or the hours of Sabbath between our working, Or even just a break in the day we take time for worship and rest the greek word for rest is katapao or powo i don't know katapao (laughs) i'm good at studying greek i'm not good at pronouncing it (laughs) but that greek word it means to make quiet to cause to be at rest to grant rest to lead to a quiet abode to still, restrain, to cause to desist, to rest. And that word and its various definitions implies that resting is active and intentional, not lazy or passive. Resting now connects us more deeply to God's promise of future rest in this passage. And it sustains us as we journey through life in that rest. It's an act of faith in which we celebrate the joy we know will be fulfilled in eternity. And so a wise believer uses their time wisely, working hard when it is time to work and resting intentionally when it's time to rest. Now, two weeks ago, I talked about the creation story and how God didn't just rest on the seventh day. We always focus on the six days of work and one day of rest, and that's fair. We're going to talk about that a lot more next week, actually. But he also rested for a short time between each day of, of creation, and we don't talk about that as much. There's a pattern. He would create, he would look at his creation, and then he saw that it was good. And then there was evening and morning, the second day, the third day, the fourth day. He did nothing until the next day. He took time to appreciate his work every single day. We can follow God's template for a balanced rest-work rhythm in our lives as well. We can work and and work hard and, and work intentionally and then actively and intentionally take Sabbath to recognize that our work has a purpose to worship God and his plan for us and for our future rest and to see that he is good. So as we conclude this morning, remember that even though we are designed to work, we are finite beings. We have limits. We are not God. A wise believer protects their space, and they're intentional about their work pace so that they can honor God and how they spend this resource of time. Remember, we all, whenever we talk about stewardship, we always think about money, we never talk about time but stewardship's not just about money it's about being faithful with whatever we are given and we've been given time and energy from God as well and it's important to be good stewards with that too think about all the farms on PEI I know there's farmers here farmers regularly practice following fields giving the land time to rest and recover from the work of growing And there's many, many studies that show that a field that has been allowed to lie fallow, even just for one year, will produce a much higher crop yield when it is planted. And I would argue that we are much more complex creations than fields. We also need to allow ourselves to lie fallow at times as well, to rest, to recover, and to remind ourselves that our work has a purpose, that God has a plan for us, and to see that He is good. So as we go downstairs for our blueberry putluck, and then as we leave and return to work this week, my hope and prayer for each and every one of us is that we would learn to balance those two, that we would recognize what it is we are working for and that our work is good, but that we would also pattern our lives after God's example of work and rest in Genesis, being good stewards of what we have been given and that someday we will all enter into God's promised rest for our souls together. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that even though you are an all-powerful God who can do whatever he wants, that before you even created us, you gave us a pattern to follow of sustainability, of rest, and of work. I thank you that even in this sinful state that our work can and does have purpose. I thank you so much for the promise of rest that is to come. I ask that you would help us to all be good stewards of our time and our energy to remind us of what it is we are working towards and to help us to all live every day in light of the future that you've promised. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for tuning in. We hope that this week's teaching was a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you live in the New Glasgow area, we would love for you to come and join us for our Sunday gathering. For information on service times, location, and more, check out our website at ngcc.ca. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening and have a great week.